The Bible Study Podcast, episode 614. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Ezra with chapter 4. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with chapter 4 of Ezra. In chapter 3, they laid the foundations of the temple. They celebrated. They started doing sacrifices on the altar, which they built first. It sort of seemed like in that chapter we would say, and then they continued the work, and then they finished it, and they celebrated again. But that's not what happened. Instead, there was opposition. Ezra 4. Opposition to the Rebuilding When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel Joshua and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So there is opposition, and there's opposition from this people that don't introduce themselves. So let's introduce them. Remember that the other tribes of Israel are gone. They've been carried off into captivity and dispersed by the Assyrians throughout their region, and they ceased to exist as a people. And the land that they were in was empty, and so the Assyrians brought people into the land. And we learned in Second Kings that the people had problems in the land, and so they thought it was because they weren't worshiping the local gods, and so they sent for priests to come and teach them the ways. And these are the beginnings of the Samaritan people and the beginning of the enmity between the Samaritans and the Israelites, or the people of Judah and Benjamin, because they come back and it says they come and say, let us help. Now, of course, they've also been introduced already as the enemies. And so we don't know if this is an honest answer, because we'll see again in the next book we're going to study, Nehemiah, that they make an offer that is not honest. Or if they become the enemies because of this. But we know that the people of Israel say, no, this is ours to do. Basically, we've been chosen by God to do this work, and we've been appointed by the king to do this work. And so these people are now in opposition to whether they were before or not, and they do what people do in those days and somewhat in these days today. They bribe officials to frustrate them, to work against them. So the work on the temple slows down during this time period. And then there's further opposition, later opposition under Xerxes and Artaxerxes. At the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabael, and the rest of his associates wrote a letter to Artaxerxes. The letter was written in Aramaic script and in the Aramaic language. 
Rehum, the commanding officer, and Shimsai, the secretary, wrote a letter against Jerusalem to Artaxerxes, the king, as follows. Rehum, the commanding officer, and Shimsai, the secretary, together with the rest of their associates, the judges, officials, and administrators over the people from Persia, Uruk, and Babylon, the Elamites and Susa, and the other people whom the great and honorable Ashurbanipal deported and settled in the city of Samaria and elsewhere in trans-Euphrates. This is a copy of the letter they sent him. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants in trans-Euphrates, the king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now, since we are under obligation to the palace and it is not proper for us to see the king dishonored, we are sending this message to inform the king so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city is a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and provinces, a place with a long history of sedition. This is why this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in trans-Euphrates. The king sent this reply to Rehum, the commanding officer, Shimshai, the secretary, and the rest of their associates living in Samaria and elsewhere in trans-Euphrates. Greetings. This letter you sent us has been read and translated in my presence. I issued an order and a search be made, and it was found that this city has a long history of revolt against kings and has been a place of rebellion and sedition. Jerusalem has had powerful kings ruling over the whole of trans-Euphrates, and taxes, tribute, and duty were paid to them. Now issue an order to these men to stop work so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interests? As soon as the copy of this letter to King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum and Shimsai, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. I should say Darius is also pronounced Darius. I'm going to try and be consistent this time, at least pick one pronunciation. And so they stop the work. They send this letter. This is the people again from the trans-Euphrates, the people who are on this side of the Euphrates River, the western side. Most of the Persian Empire is on the eastern side. The Persian Empire at this point extends into modern Pakistan and India, as I understand. And the Persian Empire is interesting because it's the first of these great empires, and great in terms of size, not great necessarily in terms of how they're doing, although they had a a fairly good reputation for how they treated the people in their empire. They didn't try and impose their own language or their own religion. They put local people in charge and generally did a good job of administrating things. The Persian Empire doesn't exist for all that long. It comes up at the rise of Babylon, which we read about in 
kings. Babylon comes up. We get a few powerful leaders. They conquer things like Egypt. They take the people of Israel off into captivity, and then they are in turn conquered by the Persians. And the Persians will in turn be conquered by Alexander the Great. That will happen in the intertestamental period. But the seeds of that have already been sown in the time period of the letter that we're reading. During the time period of Darius I, who is Xerxes' father, Persia invaded Greece and was defeated at the Battle of Marathon. Xerxes himself will invade again. He will defeat the Greeks at the Battle of Thermopylae, which was depicted in the movie The 300, although not depicted very historically accurately, and but then will lose later on in a great naval battle. And it's after that, about a generation later, that Greece will return the favor, will invade and take over all of Persia under Alexander the Great. And that will again happen in the intertestamental period. So that's kind of where we are in history. But the people in Trans-Euphrates, the people in Samaria, send this letter that says, hey, if you look in the records you will find that this is a rebellious people. They rebelled against the Babylonians. They rebelled when they were under the Egyptians. You will find that this isn't a people that you want to be rebuilding this city. Now, there are extensive records in the archives, and so what they didn't do is cross-reference Jerusalem for all other references to Jerusalem, because that would be hard to do in those days. You couldn't just do a Google search. So what they didn't tell them is, oh, by the way, if you also look in the records, you will find that King Cyrus sent them to rebuild the temple, and that that is what they're doing. So they didn't look for that, so they didn't find that. Instead, they did find, oh, sure enough, these people are a rebellious people. These people are not to be trusted. These people think they're all that. They think that they have some sort of special relationship with God, and so, yes, let's stop the work. And so they do. And so the work stops, and it stops for, I think it's about four different rulers, It's four or five rulers. There's one king in there that we don't know who he is. And already time has passed because they're sent back by Cyrus the Great, and he stops being king in 530 BC, and Xerxes doesn't become king until 485. And so by this time, it's already been 50 years that they've been in progress, and the progress is going pretty darn slow to begin with. And it's already been four different rulers, and that's why no one has remembered that original proclamation. And so they stop the work, and they stop it until Darius, or Darius II, becomes king. That's another 60 years. And so this whole process of rebuilding the temple, we started with that great big celebration, but it's going to take over 100 years. And it's not going to be constant process. But it is still what God intends. And so even with the starts and the stops, and even with the slow progress, it's going to be done. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at com. And thanks so much for listening. There's nothing in this world that he cannot do if we truly 
allow His love. We can do nothing without Him. Anything that we do apart from Him is not something that's permanent. We all need His grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.